This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Azure gets HPC and AI boost. And Baidu intros code-free machine learning. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we're going back to the cloud and big news from Microsoft with regards to the Azure cloud and what they're doing to help HPC and AI and high-performance workloads. Yeah, and I, I know we talked about them, the acquisition of cycle computing, and this looks like sort of the first production version of integrating some of that intellectual property, this thing called cycle cloud that they've now integrated into the Azure platform. I think it was in beta for a while. Maybe some people are using it, but now it's basically launched. So they've basically got cloud orchestration technology in Azure with all the uh, all the goodies that were in the the cycle computing platform. Right. Cycle computing, we were already familiar with in the HPC industry due to their strategy for helping people migrate HPC workloads into the cloud. Cycle was never really a cloud company in of itself, but we would think of them as being in that managed services space that makes it easier to migrate applications, particularly high-performance applications, into cloud uh, environments in a high-performance fashion. Microsoft's acquisition of cycle computing gave them the ability to tie that to Azure Cloud. And now what we're seeing is a more complete integration of, of those tools so that if I have an HPC application and I'm looking to migrate to cloud, uh, Azure now has this built-in functionality to make that easier to migrate. Right. You had you had the idea that some of that functionality was in Azure, but it wasn't in sort of this clean integrated interface that probably is now in that in that cycle cloud uh, component. You know, now you can basically any HPC application that that runs under Slurm or PBS Pro or Grid Engine or any of the other popular schedulers uh, can now run there sort of as just as they did if you were using the, the cycle platform. Plus, they have all these nice, you know, reporting tools and tracking tools uh, that are sort of integrated into all this. So it's more of a turnkey type uh, thing than they had before. So that's that'll probably attract some users who, uh, some HPC users who maybe didn't feel as comfortable with what Azure had before. Now, we should say the other big news that they announced sort of in conjunction with this, although it's a different thing, they, they basically are now in Azure supporting uh, the NVIDIA GPU cloud containers. And this is another thing that makes it easier for users to get into, in this case, HPC and AI. Um, these containers are full software stacks that allow you to run your application sort of a, in a native mode as is uh, as if you were running it in on a machine that you would sort of compose on yourself with a certain software environment. So these containers are sort of these shrink-wrapped uh, software stacks that make it very easy for you to go from um, machine to machine, or in this case, to the cloud, and run it as if you you were running it locally. And it's again, that's something to attract uh, users who might have not been able to do that because of some of the hoops they would have otherwise had to jump through to get into Azure. 
Yeah, that NVIDIA GPU cloud is one of my favorite implementations of containers I've seen in the HPC space, specifically for machine learning, because they allow for that local development of something, even on, say, a, a laptop or other small device where I have a GPU, and then migrate that in complete environment into a cloud with a GPU container in order to have it scale. Now, we've been looking at machine learning's impact on HPC environments and find that more than half of HPC users are doing some form of machine learning. This is coming out in a report now from Intersect 360 Research as part of our budget map survey, looking at how HPC users are spending and migrating with machine learning in HPC environments. And cloud is a big part of that. We particularly looked at some of the dynamics of cloud around that with some interesting results. So this is an important tool for Microsoft to add as part of the Azure Cloud uh, and, and really speaks to their very intentional strategy of trying to attract high-performance workloads, HPC and AI, into Azure Cloud as, as a point of differentiation versus uh, AWS or Google Cloud. Right, which which some of the technologies available there, and it's it's good news for Nvidia too. I mean, you got to remember Microsoft is very big on FPGAs as far as running some of their uh, their models internally for for some of the machine learning they're doing. Now that it's less uh, uh, less visible in the in the customer facing side of it, but again, this this is something that you know Microsoft can't just rely on FPGA technology to run this thing. They they re they need to recognize obviously that GPUs are basically the the processor the default processor of choice for running uh, certainly training of of these deep learning codes. So they've made this available. They've got in Azure a number of instances, and now they have these shrink wrapped containers that are available to users to make it even easier. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a part of a very intentional strategy on Microsoft's part, and uh, and is interesting for HPC users. They even announced some of their customers for the uh, Cycle Cloud portion of this new offering. Uh, now, that's not to say the entire HPC environment is moving from those end users to Azure, but uh, in terms of bursting or moving parts of workloads, you've got those as part of your article on top500.org. It'll be interesting to me to see how uh, AWS. AWS in particular uh, counters on some of this stuff. I, I think AWS will start to refine its strategy on HPC, and we might even see some acquisitions coming from them. Yeah, as 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 we saw Microsoft buy a cycle computing. I, I I have to say I think Microsoft has been out ahead, sort of on the HPC side, as far as. Uh, technology choice uh, for HPC, maybe not as AI, there's a little more parity there, but for the HPC side, Microsoft has been unusually focused on offering uh, infrastructure and instances and technologies to make it easier for those types of customers to use Azure. And like you said, uh, uh, Amazon and, and Google as well are interested in getting those customers as well. It's a fast-growing market at this point, um, and, and I think you're right. We're, we'll see some counter moves by Amazon and, and possibly Google as well to, to kind of keep up with uh, what Microsoft is doing. All right, Michael, also this week in HPC, sticking with uh, the hyperscale side of things, we have a new offering from Baidu where I don't need to know how to program anything in order to start doing machine learning. 
<laughs> well, that's the story. That's what they're saying. They've made something called EasyDL, which I assume means easy deep learning. So it's a software development platform designed for non-programmers who want to build machine learning models. And they're saying this is good enough for production. They're promising something on the order of 90% accuracy, um, which is not like top of the line necessarily, but for a lot of applications, 90% does a lot of the heavy lifting for some of these uh, some of these models. And it's aimed at small and medium-sized businesses who don't have data scientists or machine learning experts or even programmers on staff and who just want something that can do can build these models quickly and, and easily. And also, uh, it's, it's applicable for environments where you don't have a lot of data. So you typically, you know, we're, we're used to talking about, you know, you, you want to digest thousands or millions of images to build this model and, and get it right. Here, they, they can build these models with as few as 50 or 100 or a few hundred images. So they're, they're more geared towards these small and medium-sized business data sets as well. So again, they've, they're targeting this market and uh, potentially a very big market because it's sort of the long tail right now of AI. We talk so much about the hyperscale companies, but there's a lot of interest by all businesses on, on how to leverage this technology. Well, I've got a few things to say about this. One is that this is the expected direction for hyperscale companies as they build internally all of this expertise around AI. It's not just out of altruism that a company like Baidu or, or any of them would invest in this. The end goal is to have apps that are native in their clouds that they can then offer as services to companies to do their AI in their cloud. This is the expected right. business outcome of this. So it's, so it's interesting that Baidu would be putting together something like this. And I would expect that we would see similar things from companies like uh, Google or, or Apple or Facebook or Amazon uh, to do services like this. That said, I'm extremely skeptical about this no-code machine learning for small to medium businesses with a small amount of data. I think this is throwing... Uh, deep learning at it's at uh, at too many things too much. If I'm a smaller, medium-sized company, and you're telling me you can have AI automatically look at my limited amount of data and tell me something with 90% accuracy, I'm not convinced it's not going to tell me stuff that I didn't already know or suspect. I think the usefulness of that is probably severely limited. Well, it. It might be. Now, they've come up with some early customer examples. Uh, one of them was actually um, in the home decorating business, the home decorating website, where they used it to classify design style and room types for home improvement type work. And they had a recommendation engine. And they, the company said that 50%, they had a 50% increase in utilizing these images they were making available and 30% uptick in the click-through rate for using this particular recommendation feature. And they had a few other examples of, of pavement damaging monitoring, some quality inspection of keyboards, some retail inspection for supermarket shelves, security monitoring, things like that. Things mostly image or audio uh, related. Uh, so fairly well understood sort of machine learning types of codes. But, you know, they're just starting out. So they've got you know, these half a dozen or so early customers on board and they produce some what they consider, you know, reasonable results, the useful results for them. But like you said, when you when you talk about accuracy in the 90 percent range, that sounds really good. But some things aren't going to make it 
uh, at at that level. It, it doesn't sound good. Ninety percent sounds awful for a lot of these well, things. <laughs> well, but it could be very useful. So if you get ninety percent and then ten percent false positives, you could eliminate a lot of screening work that might have had to be done by human labor. So if it's like that, then it becomes very useful. So if you're driving a car and only get ten uh, percent accidents, then yeah, that's not a good thing. So you have to use this for certain types of applications where that that kind of accuracy that you're going to be expecting is going to be useful to you. But there's certainly a lot of scenarios where 90% accuracy is good and, in fact, might even match what a what a human, an expert human could do in, in certain applications. I don't know. I, I'm still dubious because I, I think what this does is people have this faith that the computer is somehow magically all-knowing. I've put together this analytics package to determine – uh, which was the greatest baseball team of all time. And, and, you know, it comes out and it, and it answers the question as if that's going to resolve the debate because the computer says so. I don't think it ends the debate at that point. It's just, you know, someone had a particular algorithm or, or way of looking at it that, that says it, it's a certain way. Uh, you know, it, it's still going to come down to a matter of, uh, expertise and opinion and uh, that we went through this with big data and analytics that a lot of the times the real analytics, you know, anything that you really had solid data on was probably something that you knew anyway. Um, and the, uh, the amount of areas where you're really going to learn something deep and new from the data, those, those happen in limited areas. And most often when someone's got a lot of data. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's interesting that the business is moving in this direction. Um, I'm going to wait before I get really excited, uh, in terms of, uh, having lots of small and medium sized businesses who can suddenly move to this cloud and learn something about their business. They didn't already know. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, but I think also you're right. I, I think the takeaway here is that we're going to see more, more of these platforms moving in this direction where you don't need to be a data scientist or, or a software engineer to build some of these things, at least the initial versions, the quick and dirty versions to get something up and running. These, these are going to become more popular as, as AI and machine learning sort of spreads out into, into all businesses. These are going to be very valuable tools that are going to continue to be worked on and then refined. I, I think, uh, this is certainly something Baidu is, is not the alone in working on, and we're going to see more of these uh, in the in the coming years for sure. All right, Michael. Well, an interesting batch of news for sure. And oh, by the way, on the hyperscale side, this is something that we've been researching quite a bit, and uh, we've got uh, some market size information coming out to clients uh, now on the uh, hyperscale end. We're looking in particular at the top tier of companies, which Baidu is one of now, companies that are spending over a billion dollars a year on IT infrastructure. And uh, it's amazing that as concentrated as the hyperscale market is in the high end, we're seeing it becoming even more so. Just because these companies are already big doesn't mean there's not a big growth rate. So there's going to be some interesting findings in that as well. Okay, I'll look forward to that. Maybe we can talk about it when you release the report and give us some of the some of the highlights. All right, Michael, thanks a lot, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.